Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Podside, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo, and today uh, we are rejoined by none other than Jeremy Greathouse in the house. Hey, you. Hello. Hey, Jeremy. Howdy. Hello. And, of course, uh, my trusty co-host, Kurt. It's not Howdy. a man who flies in a river as silly as a bird that swims in the sky. <laughs> Have you ever heard the old saying, an ice cream that belts drips on the floor? (laughs) What? (laughs) Okay. Okay. We have to stop with that. We can can get back to it later, but like, let's actually talk about the movie a little bit first. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to be talking about Ghost in the Shell 2, Innocence. uh, uh, I'm sorry. It's not a 1994 at all. It is 2004 film. Uh, If it had been 1994, they went back in time and produced the sequel before the original came out. Um, (laughs) But yeah, uh, Kurt, to your point, you know, much like the hungry traveler, a fish will die through the mouth. We're just innocent men. We're just normal just men. Normal, <laughs> normal men. You know, innocent I, men. Yeah, I could see that as a line of dialogue. In you this could movie. totally say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, Jeremy, you and I had seen this before. I, I don't remember, Kurt. Had you seen this at all before? Mm, I don't think so. I don't believe so. Okay. All right. So, uh, all right. So, Kurt, you're on the hot seat now. What did you think? I didn't like it very much, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Okay. Um, I have a real problem with this era of anime in general. It's mm-hmm. got the stink of, oh, we can use CGI to yes. cut corners. Okay. I agree. Um, yes, yes. I agree. The visuals are severely degraded. I like yeah. aspects of the plot, but like yeah. there's long stretches of the movie where like in the original Ghost in the Shell, there's long quiet portions where there's like mm-hmm. artsy, cool, beautifully animated stuff going on. And like I didn't mind staring at it for five minutes while nothing happened. But in this, it's like we made a 3D model and we're gonna slowly pan around it because yes. it doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, then we don't have to animate stuff. So like there there are parts of this movie I absolutely love, but it is also the most most 2004 looking movie yeah, ever, like in the yeah. world it's 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 like oh my god we got computers you guys we can like we don't have to you know draw a robot we can make one in maya and then just well, like put stuff in front of it <laughs> it's 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 sort of interesting because i think that there are sections where it really helps Indeed, like yeah, the, yeah, definitely. The little, the little bodega, uh, se- the the little that's bodega great. scene is that's is great. Very all well the stuff, used. all the stuff in like the northern territories where they're in kind of like the mm-hmm. wasteland. All that looks great. There's there's parts that go on a little bit long where they're like, check out this cool flying vehicle that we modeled. We're just gonna watch it fly for a couple of minutes. Yeah. But like, <laughs> that's like, it the is kind cool. of stuff like, that's yeah. 
I think I think uh, towards the end, some of the uh, the more murky, <clears throat> the murkier aspects of you know, like earlier CGI, which I let, let, let's let them off the hook a little bit because I don't think it's gotten any less murky these days. Just better defined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think it's it's not that the use of CGI is always bad. Like I think there are a lot of times where honestly the backgrounds look really good and like. Mm-hmm. They're able to do things with the character animation that I think are enabled by using the CGI backgrounds in the way that they are using them. But that, like, there are also s- sequences in the movie where it's it just looks like a PlayStation Three game, right? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. it it just doesn't. It's like and, and and unfortunately, a lot of the time those are like Kurt said, the long kind of <laughs> static shots yeah. on something, and you're like, this is just a 3D model. Like I don't. Well, and, uh, yeah. and some of some of it is, uh, you know, I, I'm not a huge um, uh, Shiro head, but but a lot of the uh, the models looked specifically like they were taken straight out of like. You remember that uh, Shiro went like after this had its success. He's like, well, now I'm going to do everything that I wanted, which is basically like man machine interface, which was sort of racy <laughs> pinups that were like weird robot women it's just like basically the major over and over again uh, <laughs> it's just very strange uh i i don't know what's happened with him but i'm guessing that uh he's doing well or i hope he is. i would hope so i mean he deserves it but. yeah uh but but like um like there are some designs there but where the the art itself looks you know great uh in general uh, on the page here because it's rendered in 3D mm-hmm. and with the limitations, like like you said, like with the limitations of like you know PS what, what is this PS2 era graphics? 2004 would have been like yeah, it's like tail end of the PlayStation 2. So so yeah, it's got a little bit of gun grave look to it. If you yeah. played that, <laughs> and like it sometimes it's not that noticeable, but then there are other sequences where there's like the helicopter thing flying, and mm-hmm. there are birds flying around it, and the birds look like they're made out of about you know thirty polygons. Yeah. And it's just like it's well, like why, why I, are you showing me this for so long? I think that the the parts that really really work are the hybrid parts, right? Yeah, they use CGI, but then they also sort of like decided to you know either superimpose art over it or yeah. you know, like actual cell animation is integrated in there. Like the, the inter the, the interiors of the, um, of the dollhouse I felt were, they had sort of the CGI thing, but that was okay because part of the, the, the purpose of that entire scene is that it's like a haunted house, you know, it's yeah. very weird and Gothic and uncanny. I don't know. No, I agree with like that sequence. It works. There are other sequences where, Mm-hmm. It like just doesn't, you know. Yeah, yeah, it just it does not. I, for, for for me, the most effective, you know, purely from like an aesthetic sense, was probably like the big fight stuff at the end. I thought worked quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, there was earth. There was some earlier fights that had a little bit of like, uh, oh my god, that's Jason Bourne, you know, like type <laughs> type look to it. Where just lots of like fast cuts that felt like it was kind of like c- covering up. Uh, you know, like production details where I was like, mm, I'm not not as much feeling this, but but towards the end, um, I did feel like it was effectively used in in the overall, yeah, uh, in the overall um, um yeah. design. I I I I will say though, um, I I did also, and part of this might have just been the fact that I I couldn't find a sub, so I did watch in the dubbed version. The, there are also aspects of the story that 
um i you know i'll I'll complain about a little bit later what, <laughs> once we get to those. But, but so, you, you know, yeah. I didn't think it was bad. I just didn't really like it. <laughs> I think I watched the dub version of this the first time I watched it. And, it, and you know, it might have been because I was like, you know, 20 or whatever. And I just didn't get it. Or it might have been that the dub is just terrible. I don't remember. But I watched the sub version this time and it made a lot more sense. <laughs> so there might be something to the dub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh no, Jeremy! Are you going to become like a no subtitles type of, type of guy? I mean, that complains? I generally like subs better than dubs <laughs> most of the time, but yeah, yeah. I I just I just find it really funny whenever uh, people complain about that because I mean, sure, there there's I guess there's people who might have issues, but generally speaking, like I I had to learn how to live with subtitles, and honestly, they became my friends uh, yeah. in Puerto Rico because. Puerto Rico, we don't get a ch- we often don't get a chance to uh, to 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 uh, dub over American films. Why would why would we do that? Mm-hmm. They just slap on the the uh, the Spanish subtitles, and sometimes that that helps. I mean, it's the way most of the world watches movies. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Like very few what? movies are made in most languages. So yeah, yeah it, it just yeah. so happens. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Um, so, so this is basically uh, takes place like three years, if I'm remembering correctly, after the um, the events of Ghost in the Shell, uh, and uh, there is something to be said. I, I do want to say that um, Bateau is the main character here, uh, and he, <laughs> he he's now partnered more or less through this case with Togusa, and. There, there's some fun, uh, or at least funny, um, back and forth where he's like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, dynamic between them, I think, is really funny. Like Togus is just like a normal man, like like the most normal guy. Is he, is he an innocent man? <laughs> he is an innocent man, very clearly. Um, and then to- and he's like, "I gotta go home. I gotta see my kid." And Bato's like, "Well, I have a dog, but like mostly." I'm just Someone go shoot Yakuza. <laughs> I, I really like when, um, like l- later on, um, Batu's kind of like, "How do you know for sure that you have a wife and child?" And Togus is just looking at him like, "The fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is definitely interesting. Like to have one character super invested in like quoting philosophical text and the other one is as you say like just a guy a guy yeah. with a mullet i did i loved his mullet great yes. mullet oh yeah togus is great he's uh, he, i like him in the first movie but like this and then the the anime standalone complex the the show that's where he really gets to shine as like the straight man in this incredibly nonsensical cast of cyborg monsters. <laughs> well, I but, mean, he's 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 also like I love that he's like just so prickly here, right? Yeah, he's, he's like, like, he's yeah, like okay. I don't want to go shoot Yakuza's. Like I have to go home. <laughs> We're gonna talk to them first, right? right. <laughs> I do love. I do. I mean, it's it's obvious what's gonna happen, but you're like thinking, well, okay, he just promised you. Like he he comes up to Bato and. Uh, so, so part of the plot is that they they are uh, called onto a like Bateau is called onto the cr- uh, crime scene where a um, a gynoid, which is apparently a, a newer uh, type of um, doll like uh, android, has just gone berserk. And uh, I 
honestly, I think that that scene works works really well. Yeah, it's a great in the opener. sense that yeah, like with in the sense that you don't get. <laughs> He doesn't try to get the gore on screen, so to speak, right? But you're seeing it through Bateau's sort of like weird Terminator lens eyes. Mm-hmm. So you just see like these pixelated figures and you're like, that works even better than if you yeah. had seen the effect, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it does a lot f- just for the world building of the story. It does a lot for establishing Bateau as this like, like definitely not totally human character who's seeing the world in a, you know, in this filtered way that's like highlighting things for him and stuff. Uh, it's yeah, great. It, it's, oh, it, oh God. It, could you imagine if he had to go ahead, go ahead. Uh, could you imagine if he'd had like a little Instagram filter and it's all just like puppy dog heads? <laughs> well, <laughs> so cute. I, that Sorry. I mean the 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 part that I liked the most was um, where he's kind of like seeing the outline of the corpses and the blood spatter of like the different you know like police mm-hmm. uh, units and it's like unit oh one unit oh two uh, and then he he sees like the outline of like the sex robot and it's very clearly like holding the head. Of one of the police officers, and it's like unit 03, and it's like, oh, well, there he is. <laughs> you know, I, I thought one like, guy, that, that one was guy very missing. effective. Oh. <laughs> one guy missing. Oh, there, there I found him. Yeah, found him. Uh, I, I also liked that initial contact that he has with the uh, with the doll, right? Mm-hmm. Where it, 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 like that first moment where she like stands up, it's almost like she's being, like her strings are being pulled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, no, I, I I think overall, like this, the introduction to this movie is stronger to me than the introduction to the first movie. Like, really? This, yeah, like the scene where the major like jumps off the building and and uh, kills the dudes to like stop the them from taking the diplomat away. It's like cool, right? Like she's she's badass, and we get to know like oh she's a badass. She could turn invisible. And section nine and and section six or right whatever the the section they're in conflict with. Uh, they're like rivals and stuff. And it does some, some for the world building and it does some for the character, but it's not as intriguing. I think it's, it's a little bit more like, oh, it's just a weird political conflict. There's not like a mystery now for me to wonder about. Whereas this one does a much better job of establishing like the central question in the movie uh, and why Bato would care about it, which is like, he finds this gynoid and it's, and it's acting absolutely weird, right? And then it's like asking for his help. And we know from the previous movie that he has some thoughts and some some feelings about like, is he human? Is he a robot? Where's the line exist there? And so there's like, I think as a standalone movie, it wouldn't work as well. But as a, you already kind of know this Bato guy uh, and some of his concerns, this scene gives you like, an emotional in to what is going to drive him for the rest of the movie, which is like understanding why this machine is acting the way that it is and seemingly wanting something from him, like in a human way that you wouldn't expect. And it's like, it's a very, very effective storytelling beat, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that a lot of the, I think that a lot of the movie hinges on that, and I think one of the issues with with the the dub is that it just doesn't it doesn't sell that as effectively. Like in, in particular, there's a part there's a part right near the end where I, like I could tell what it was going for, 
Um, but it really like with, with the acting, it doesn't, it just doesn't doesn't really, it doesn't really land. Yeah. Where, yeah, I can see that. (laughs) And and we can talk more about that when we get to it. But yeah, no, I, I kind of agree and kind of disagree, uh, Jeremy about the, um, like the, the, the intro because, and, and this, this might just be me being a style over, over substance person, but like, I still didn't care that much about the mystery because frankly, to, to me, it's a mystery that I've seen a fair bit before. Sure. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I, I, I now not that that's necessarily like, you know, like a bad thing, like, you know, but, uh, m- most film noir has one of like two plots, you know, right? it's like a rich <laughs> right. guy vanished or a rich guy's daughter vanished, you know, which is it this time? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and so like, I-, I don't think that's so much of an issue, but personally, I think I prefer this, the, the big splashy, cool, but largely pointless intro to the original film because it sells the feeling of it so hard. And there is a little bit of this film that feels at, at, at times like a, like a little bit like it's, it's almost too comfortable with the cyberpunk world that it's showing you. Like there's, there, there's parts of it where I felt like I was just kind of getting like, okay, I'm, I'm getting, you know, uh straight out of central casting cyberpunk type, type stuff where like it was cool for instance like the fight with like the crab claw guy i was like, like yeah, this yeah, is yeah. this is cool and it's fun but it's not really as well animated as the original and so like on an aesthetic level i'm a little bit less interested and like on a plot level it's just kind of like a fight with you know a cyborg heavy which which is not like yeah super intriguing i sure. do agree in in terms of like when it when it does lean harder into the noir feeling like for, for me some of the best parts of the film are just when you see batu kind of like living his life and hanging out with his dog and mm-hmm. you know hanging out in his apartment and drinking a beer and stuff like that that i thought was really effective and where the film was like oh like it actually is really standing up on its own legs and not just leaning on being like well this is a cyberpunk anime you know how mm-hmm. those go um, do, do you do you think he has to special order his lazy boys? <laughs> Possibly. I mean, how, lazy how fucking boys heavy like, is he? Well, like, made uh, out yeah. Of well, that, that's what I was saying. Like when when he like flumps into the lazy boy, I was like, oh damn, how are you not going to break that? I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe he, he got like a five thousand dollar like titanium frame yeah. lazy boy. It's a government issue, lazy boy. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> the government gave it to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did. I did really love like the 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 care because that's that's one of the few um scenes where i I, it didn't feel like it there was any cgi uh, animation in it where he comes home and he's Mm -hmm. it's just like his little hound dog his little basset hound which is another carryover from (laughs) from the first movie right Uh, i guess he just got basset hounds on the brain after that Uh, uh, case speaking of i have to wonder if um all the stuff with with him like looking for the right food for his dog is a direct reference um to the long goodbye the robert altman uh mm. version of it um because uh i i know that there's also there's also like a ghost in the shell um like spin-off uh i think it's like another oav called like after the long goodbye or something um, mm. so it's clearly something it's clearly like, you know, film noir is clearly in the DNA of, of at least the latter day ghost in the shell stuff. So oh, that's the, uh, that's the novelization that covers the, uh, as oh, is well. it? yeah, I think it's a novelization. Uh, it, I, I hadn't made the connection, but you're absolutely right. Um, I, I, I do also find it really funny that, uh, 
that Ishikawa, uh, who has a little bit of a makeover in this version, <laughs> he doesn't have like such wild hair as he does in the uh, in the original. <laughs> yeah, is <laughs> uh, the one that leans over. He's like, "Buddy, take it from me. Just buy him the wet food. It's the best thing." <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's buy the dry food because you're set. You're establishing. Oh, that's a right. That's right. Buying the wet food from the same place every time. Mm-hmm. Well, and and yeah, yeah. That that's more or less the thing. But it is so. I don't know, so humanizing to watch him like he's heating it up in a little tiny oven yeah. and scraping it out and sprinkling the little medications that he needs to take and right. vitamins. And it's like, it's so, he even drapes his ears so he doesn't get like the food, which I understand is a thing that you need to do with hounds uh, <laughs> that have droopy ears. No, re- for real, yeah. for real. No, my, we, had a, we had a beagle when I was growing up and we had to do that. Otherwise he would like get his ears all covered in food. Yep, and then they get like weird mold or fungus infections. Yeah, they don't have a way to clean their ears. <laughs> you bred me this way. Yep. <laughs> Turns out we aren't innocent men after all. No. Um, what something or or a, a character that I really liked in this that I wish we had seen more of is uh, Haraway. Um, the, mm, the yeah, scientist. no, the, yeah, she's great. She's fascinating. Um, she was really great. Um. I liked her overall attitude. She felt like a really, like a very distinct character. And so I'm like, maybe it's fine that we only get a little bit, like a little snippet of, uh, of her, but I thought that she was terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that whole sequence was really good because like she's, if anything, even more disaffected than, than Batu. So <laughs> he just feels stymied. Like, but wait, I'm the one who's a boy. <laughs> I'm supposed to be asking these weird philosophical questions. <laughs> I also well, like I- how she like, um, she, uh, she, she just like, finishes one cigarette and then uses that cigarette to light her next cigarette and just <laughs> yeah, drops it into like a disgusting cup of brown water. It, and it's cigarettes. called, it's and called, cigarettes. It's called chain smoking, Kurt. And, yes. uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, 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 one of the things that was very odd to me about, like, there's that sequence, and there's uh, another sequence later on where, um, and actually, no, there's several sequences where it's Bato, Togusa, and a somebody that they're questioning or interviewing or what have you, and. Th- one will be questioning, and then you'll get this weird shot where the other person is like front face to the camera. It's just in it's slightly distorted. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd get that in, in the Haraway uh, sequence as well. Uh, it just feels very odd to me. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that this movie is leaning. So if go in the, if the first ghost in the shell movie was trying to be like a, like a spy thriller kind mm-hmm. of thing. This is definitely trying to be noir as we've already talked about. And I think that a lot of those t- weird ways of framing conversations and stuff are trying to capture some of the like noirish alienation aesthetics, mm-hmm. right? Of like uh we're going to this dude this cop is like listening to a conversation but we're going to frame it in such a way where it's it's clear that he's like not necessarily totally getting what's going on or like isn't really interested in what the person is saying. And I, and I feel like a lot of those shots were like trying to achieve that effect. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I think that um, specifically in the Haraway sequence, I think it's Togusa who's uh, off in the distance and he's staring at, basically he's staring at the, the weird shrink wrapped uh, 
yeah. gynoid body. Uh, because, but, but because he's, it's happening like past the screen. It just looks like he's staring at into the camera, mm-hmm. sort of. It just, it's such a weird, uh, way to frame it. And you get it later, like, uh, I believe when they're questioning the guy up in the Northern Territory as well as in the dollhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, well, that's, yeah, it, doesn't a shot like that immediately precede the like rewinding of time in the dollhouse sequence? Yes. I think so. Yes, yes. Yeah. There there it's used for for like a different effect, I, yeah. I feel, right? Yeah. Um but uh but yeah, also uh I think I was reading that isn't the scientist in uh iRobot isn't her name Haraway as well? They're probably know. both named for Donna Haraway. I am Oh, guessing. that's right. The the Cyborg Manifesto. Cyborg Manifesto, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. would be my guess. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. Go- well, I think the Cyborg Manifesto came after iRobot. No, anyway, uh, I think it's probably after the Cyborg Manifesto and not Asimov. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, so basically they interview her. She basically uh, tells them that the what is it that she tells him? I, I love that Togus is like, oh, one last question. She's like, no, I'm not having kids. I'm never <laughs> thinking of having kids. I'm yeah. perfectly fine. Not having kids. Well, she, she says some, some funny stuff where, where, which, which, which is uh, again, is really funny with Togus there as just kind of like the straight man where she's, she starts waxing philosophical about how like, well, you know, isn't in in many respects children are not human. In fact, they are our attempts in some respects to create an artificial human. And Togus is just like, what are you, what are you talking about? It's <laughs> uh, not yeah. what it's like. <laughs> and, yeah. and so I I think I, I think his question is mainly just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but what what they learn from Haraway is that. Um, they uh so so first of all they they learned that the particular model of gynoid that that was involved in that first crime was like enhanced or like very specifically made um and and like actually specifically that it was like a sex robot um yeah. which they they didn't know initially they thought it was just like a household like servant robot basically that's one of the things the other thing is um, she re- she retrieves and replays um, the audio of the the gynoid requesting help and saying mm-hmm. please help me or or please help us rather yeah, um, yeah. which mm, okay. which uh, Batu seems to have heard the first time um, but but hasn't hasn't really remarked upon although he certainly seems to react to it later in the film yeah I I think that that's like. Again, I think that the whole Haraway sequence is great, partially because it it reinforces some character stuff about Bato from the previous movie, where like it's reintroducing some ideas about where the line is between humanity and machines, and and what like an artificial person would even be. She Haraway is also the person who first brings up the idea that like these these. Uh, dolls or these gynoids or whatever might not want to be like humans, right? They might have their Mm -hmm. own kind of agenda or their own like attitude towards what they want to be, which is then reinforced. Like that's a callback to the major and the puppet master. And it's reinforced again at the end of the movie. So Mm -hmm. like, like that scene, I think is not only just an entertaining scene, 
with a great character at the center of it, but it also is like a sort of thematic through line from the first movie to like reintroducing some things that, that are really like central to the Bato character arc in this movie. Right. And, and, you know, I, th- I think that <laughs> one of the things about this movie that's very prevalent in that scene though, that does sort of drive me crazy is the degree to which, the dialogue is often just like these weird philosophical aphorisms <laughs> that like we, we, we made fun of this already, but like, um, you know, the, it'll be, just be like Bato quoting Confucius or like Togusa randomly re, like reciting a passage from the old Testament or something. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's like in context, it, it kind of like makes sense why they're, what they're saying, but the movie seems very obsessed with like, connecting itself to these other kind of heady things, whether it's, you know, the Bible or Confucius or like, um, you know, like philosophers of mind from the Western canon and stuff, which is like neat. But I think it did a better job in the first movie where the major is just expressing these ideas Mm -hmm. like as her thoughts, like things that she's thinking about. And even though some of them come from like other sources, they're not as heavily like, you know, signposted. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this, there are a lot of sequence. Like the Har- Haraway scene isn't the worst example by far. You know, but it is. It is where it starts trending in that direction of characters just sort of like reciting text to each other, um, and it's cool. Like there's there are sequences where that happens that I'm like this. The effect of this is in- interesting and fun, but it's also like I kind of wish that the character would just articulate this themselves instead Look- of referencing something. Look, Jeremy. Sometimes a, uh, a plane ride is just a very long. You need to you need to use your references, okay? Yeah. There, there's also a part where, and I wonder if this is a translation thing. I'm really curious how this is in in the subtitled version, where uh, Bato re- relates a, a, a very interesting fact uh, about uh, Descartes, which yeah, uh, or or a, a, a possibly apocryphal fact uh, fact where. Um, I, I guess he he had a daughter who died quite young, and so he had a a, a like somewhat mechanical doll manufactured mm-hmm. to or, or built one that looked just like her. Um, but what's what's funny is that like he says this, and then after he says it, he says something like at least in the dub he says something like, uh, "I had forgotten about that, but I remembered it just now." <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like I feel like he could have just said like Descartes, you know, Rene Descartes had a blah blah blah. He didn't. Even, yeah, it yeah, felt yeah. very like self conscious. Just... Like, well, I stupid Bato must explain why I'm thinking about Descartes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not a nerd. I, Don't like call me I a like nerd. again. It's the kind of thing where I like the Descartes reference, but like I think it would have been better coming from Haraway saying something along the lines of how like you know. Descartes Descartes thought that like animals, like actually Descartes thought that animals didn't have consciousness. They were just like machines made out of meat and blood and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then because they didn't have thought, they didn't have any real meaningful experience of the world. And so she, it would have been interesting to have her bring that up as like part of her articulation of like, we don't understand these dolls, but that doesn't mean that they're not you know, there's not more going on there than there seems to be for us because like Descartes thought animals didn't have feeling and now we would generally agree that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead we get, you know, this sort of 
Bato. I just remember this weird fact I saw on Jeopardy last night or something, right? Well, I mean, it could, it could have I, just I read been it on the back of my dog food that I purchased yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, it it might just simply be that the the the, the character on screen was still moving his lips, so the, the voice actor they needed to fill in like something. Yeah, I I, I do think it is also like it, it's it, it's an issue where you know the. In the first film, you primarily, most of the time, you just have Batu and the Major. Um, and Batu clearly has unplumbed depths to him, but he is still like more of the silent type. You know, when yeah. he gets philosophical, it's it's rare in the first film. He does it a couple of times, whereas the Major is much more kind of like aloof but talkative. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it is a little bit more awkward when the guy who's supposed to be kind of silent all the time just keeps on expositing about like philosophy. <laughs> well, yeah. I think I think that that's um, to to a certain degree because he is the main character here. One and two, he is now sort of forced into the wider world because you know, like his his main partner and like his his world had shrunk down to him and the major right uh so so now that she's gone effectively um you know he he hasn't heard from her he like i i feel like to a certain degree like a lot of the talkativeness that bateau has especially the philosophizing that bateau has is sort of like a a feeling of yearning towards some sort of meaning now that he's lost like he's lost someone that you know like by by the end of this we we understand that it is sort of almost a love story right mm-hmm. he he has lost sort of like somebody that he loved very deeply yeah 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 um and part of the I think I think that yeah, like I I don't know that it works entirely. Uh, yeah, but but I do think that like getting to see him like well sort of transfer some of that affection to a dog and mm-hmm. like you know pampering it and worrying si- worrying himself sick over it and so on and so forth is really interesting to to watch because he is as you say, Kurt, he's the big silent guy who right. was also like his philosophy was bigger gun. That's mm-hmm. about that's about it. <laughs> I think that like I like it as a like a direction for his character development to go, right? Like with what happened to the major, he's probably having some thoughts and so he's probably like reading into some stuff that he's con- like concerned about and and worried about and maybe maybe like learning some philosophy that she was talking about or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that that makes sense. I think that like the it would be I don't know, like if this were a a third film and he was acting the way that he's acting and in the second movie we had seen him start to develop in that direction, it would maybe not feel as jarring. Um, mm-hmm. And like, it's not that I, I like, I, I think that it works. It's not that it doesn't work for me to have Bato be like philosophizing. It's just that it, it's it's the way in which it's written as like, just like random quotes from things that, oh, oh, uh, that bothers well, yeah. me a bit. Yeah. Like I think, I think I agree with you that, that it is sort of funny uh, because that those are the parts that it, you know, it, it sometimes it doesn't work as well as it should is what I yeah. should say. Right. Yeah. Um, 
but but I I I did I did like uh like some some return to form because after they um after they find they they talk to Haraway they get called uh to a murder scene uh where another gynoid has been involved in a horrific <laughs> a horrific uh uh you know like homicide or or whatever you want to call it a murder um I I truly love like the the details in this scene because it's like hey they pan over and there's a sink full of knives and sharp objects and you're mm-hmm. like Ugh, that doesn't look good <laughs> uh yeah they they've taken the body away again i think that it's one of these things where um you you don't really get to see much like echoes of the major you don't get to see the dead bodies right like there's a missing body in in every murder scene that they have, with the exception of I guess the when they go visit the they they go pay a, a social call on the yakuza. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, like I I love the the little details, you know, like the the mirror that has the bloody handprint on it, mm-hmm. uh, and so on. It's just very um, very interesting, and and like the doorknob, they they focus on the doorknob is all sort of janked out and everything. It's just yeah. I think I think there's a lot of little tidbits like that that really work. Um, yeah, like one thing that you can't, I think you can't criticize this movie for is not having attention to detail, right? Like mm-hmm. it, much like the first movie, even though some of the backgrounds don't look as good because they're like CGI or whatever, you know, every space does feel very real to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, the little background details can tell you a lot about like the scene that's taking place or like the person whose space this is like Bato's apartment having like all this Basset Hound themed stuff in it. Cause like, that's the one thing in his life that he cares about. (laughs) Right. He's got himself a little wind up Basset Hound. Yeah. Yeah. With, with the, the, the plaque, uh, with the name of the dog on it, Gabriel. Uh, Yep. You know, uh, I I don't I don't remember. I know that uh, Oshi. Uh, we we learned this for from Angel's Egg, didn't we, Kurt? That he he converted. He's he's a Catholic now, or something to that effect. Oh, or he's very interested. I in, think you're correct. That seems correct to me. I don't know if he's still <laughs> Catholic, but yeah. Well, well. So it, something he says or has said apparently is that uh, the the dog is is him. Essentially, um, oh, she because, in, the, in the movie be, because when he he says when he um uh the quote is um I'm not sure where, where this is from it's it's on it's on Wikipedia but it's not attributed so I guess we'll find out at some later date or we won't this body you see before you is an empty shell the dog represents my body human beings can be free only if they free themselves from their body when I'm playing around with my dog I forget that I am a human being and it's only then that I feel free. Hmm. So that's that's his that's that's his dog, his actual dog, apparently. Oh, interesting. I gotcha. But it's also him. It's also him, right? Well, and, and I feel I feel like that that echoes the the themes in the, in this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like like yeah. when they when they finally uh, meet the the guy at the end, there is a, an entire like dialogue about like this whole idea of like. Yeah, like forgetting yourself being sort of like mm-hmm. part of the, the the human project, and we can never really do that. But whenever we do, you know, that's that's when you get closer. Well, the major um, also expresses that um, when she shows up 
you know, such as she does, uh, Batu asks her, you know, are you are you happier being this way? And she basically says, like, the question doesn't mean anything to her anymore because she's mm-hmm. she's kind of moved beyond that. And mm-hmm. and so you know, it's it's not it's it's not that she left her body to be to to just exist the same way in another place. It's it's that, you know, the the very concept of like existing within a body doesn't really mean anything to her anymore. And so she doesn't really feel any way at all about it. It's just something that is no longer the case for her. it just doesn't apply. Yeah. She, she's and, she's fine. Just just fine. It's and fine. that that idea kind of shows up too with with Togusa and Bato after the dollhouse sequence where like Bato is asking him, you know, like, how do you know that your life is real? Right. How do Mm -hmm. you know that like your wife and daughter actually exist and you're not hallucinating them? And what it comes down to is basically like you have a, you feel that they are real and, Mm -hmm. and you externalize part of yourself into them and that's what makes them real. Um, and like, I think that's really kind of an interesting, um, idea about you know it's 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 almost like what makes us human is the other people around us that we recognize humanity in uh and the major is like a super weird heightened example of that where instead of other people it's the internet mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah well you know she, she she ended up being too online buddy right uh, <laughs> she's I mean, the uh, most online a person has ever online. been <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, um, but but yeah, like I feel like that's a, an interesting bookend to uh, if we think about like why does she feel like Bateau in the first movie when she's like basically worried that you know is she being treated the same as other human beings and Bateau's like you know come on cut the cut the angst bullshit out you know you're you're treated just like anybody else and but she still feels differently and i believe that like that that's a, that's fine that's perfectly valid but also it's funny because she does not feel that connection that you know like for instance someone like Togas has mm-hmm. uh, to other people because she has i guess you know if if we boiled it down she has never really been afforded a, an opportunity to be part of other people's lives uh or she's kept herself apart and now she's the most apart she'll ever be <laughs> yeah or the most close too because you know the internet's everywhere well yeah. she's also you know i i think she's also relevant to both films in in that you know she doesn't even have her body when we meet her you know mm-hmm. yep uh yep. she she never seems to have been especially you know she she's never really had a had a body that she was attached to as far as we can tell or if she or or if she did yeah. she's already moved on and and so it's an interesting it's 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 kind of like a stark it, it's kind of like a stark counterpoint to this film where a lot of it is comes down to the question of like well you know if you if you make something that's fake and you give it a body um like is that its body does it own you know is it entitled to that does it have its own existence um, and so it's it's kind of the opposite as what the major goes through, where she is real and her body has been taken away, whereas this film is much more about, you know, things that are quote unquote fake and we and we make them real. And, yeah. and I think that this film is struggling with like, well, what does that you know, what does that mean? Mm hmm. Yeah. So so I guess we. <laughs> 
Can, can we talk about the social call at the Yakuza office? As yeah, they call it? sure, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> no Yakuza. So, oh, okay, okay, Carlo. Yakuza really do have offices. No, um, no, that, that's it's like that's a fine. Thing. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I just found it funny because then later on, it at least in the dub they call it a bar. Um, but yeah, it it could be perfectly fine. Maybe that is their office. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I just love the fact that like this happens right after uh, Toga says like watching Bateau like basically check the the ammo and load up a gigantic gun in <laughs> mm-hmm. his trunk and he's like but we're gonna talk to him first right yeah you know, it feels like that Anakin meme right we're gonna we are gonna talk to them right yeah. right. <laughs> It, but but I do find it hilarious because it, it it is a comedy beat because as soon as you see the yakuza they they all look up from their tables uh, and and wherever they are scattered around this bar and they immediately like draw weapons <laughs> one of them draws a katana for some reason <laughs> like uh, the guy that brought a katana to a a, a gunfight um, and they're just mowed down immediately because. And then Tokus was like, but you said you were going to talk. He's like, yeah, as long as I could. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it is. It it is very entertaining um, how he just and and it's not even like he fires a little bit. He he kills like 12 people (laughs) like immediately. That's like the first thing he does. He's firing like a like a 50 caliber gun. Something that's like side mounted on a helicopter or something. Yes. (laughs) Just like, what the fuck? Um. I also loved because of uh, it's it's one of these things. I think uh, Jeremy and I had been talking about this a little bit before uh, before we started. But I love the fact that this sequence here really delves a little bit more into the implications of what what is touched upon in the first movie regarding. Well, everyone's if everyone has a cyber brain, can you get hacked? <laughs> and the answer is a definitive yes. <laughs> Yeah. Because they, they, they fire at what they think is is uh, Bateau, and it turns out that he's hacked all their cyber brains or cyber eyes or maybe both at the same time and cut and flanked them and just mows the rest of them down. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? It's great. Yep. Uh, but sadly, you know, ACAB includes Bateau. Well, that, there there is... Like him. <laughs> There is something funny in this whole sequence, or at least I started noticing in in this sequence, which is I I feel like um, there is a tendency for some reason in sci-fi properties where when you make a sequel um, much later, for some reason, the technology in the sequel is often like seems less high tech than in the than in the original, which is very much the case in this film. Like like in the first movie, Bato's got like a weird some kind of weird like rocket launcher, yeah, railgun thing, and in this, he's just got like a machine gun, just like regular <laughs> guns. Plus, everyone's driving like these huge, ostentatious classic cars, which I did like. I <laughs> extremely shiny cool. cars. <laughs> On the other hand, you have um. On the other hand, oh, uh, uh, the the Blade Runner sequel also also did this, where like all of a sudden things seem like less less futuristic. the 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 other thing that happens is that if it's a prequel, for some reason everything is more advanced, and this is especially the case in uh, the the latter Deus Ex games specifically do this, and, and hmm. a bunch of other things. I it, it always stands out to me as as like. 
kind of funny in science fiction. And I, I assume that, especially in a case like this, the reason is probably just like, well, you know, they wanted to do a noir, so it makes more sense to just have them have like, you know, more regular ass guns and less like we're coming in with the entire military. <laughs> <laughs> less like I could blow up this entire bar in one shot. Yeah, exactly. Weapons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, he does have an arm gun, at least. <laughs> he does have a cool arm gun. That's true. Yeah. So, something that we didn't see in the the, the previous movie. Uh, go ahead, Kurt. Oh, I was just saying one one thing that I think works really well from a noir perspective. Um, and although it 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 maybe could have been played up a little bit more, is the way that um clues that seem very consequential just turn out to actually just be like random happenstance, like the crushed doorknob, for instance. With like, oh, clearly mm-hmm. this is you know this must have been done. Uh by the doll or, or by something really important. Wow. You know, it's, it's some kind of assassin with like heavy military grade hardware. And then when they meet him, he's literally just like a guy who just works for the Yakuza. And he's got <laughs> just like a weird, yeah. Weird guy, with a big arm. Mr. Krabs. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I do find it funny that he's basically like almost an automaton because he's like got goggles on and they have him like muzzled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like in a closet. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's time for you to come out now. Yeah. Like it's just the future like a futuristic gimp. Well, but they, that they like let him out. That kind of ties into some of the themes of the movie though, because like you've got uh that dude who has obviously been turned into sort of an object, like a tool for his bosses, right? Like they mm-hmm. they point him at something that they want to die and he goes and he hits it with his big crab arm. Um <laughs> and and if he doesn't he does like a gigantic axe kick. Yeah, yeah. If he can't, if he can't crab arm, he does the kick. Yeah, um, when, when his target is is like a crouch rolling all around him, like in a big circle, waiting for him to enter the uh, the point in his uh, attack move set where it's safe to do damage to him. Yep, yep. <laughs> Got to wait for uh, those iframes, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> But like, I don't think that dude probably has much. Uh, the, I don't. I don't. It doesn't feel like the people around him are treating him particularly humanly. No, right? they're not. Like, no. like they're keeping him in a closet. They 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 put tape over his mouth. Like he's he's been I reduced mean, to, to nothing more than a, than a weapon. It it is sort of sad and funny because the minute he does that axe kick, uh, you know, that leaves him open so that Bateau can just use like the little, uh, basically like a a, a cyber taser. Just like injects it, it is, plugs it into his ports, and like he starts like fucking around with him. It's like a, like a remote control. Yeah, but that's again. I think that's like reinforcing the idea, right? Like, yeah, this yeah, no, dude no, no, is a great. puppet. It's great, and and like, it, yeah. Anyway, well, I can't wait till we talk about the very end of the movie because I think that the <laughs> that's where like a lot of the cooler things in mm-hmm. it kind of come together. But yeah, yeah. I mean, um, so so they then go what is it they they get together and when they finally regroup i I did like the scene where they're they're doing like the group uh conference or whatever yeah and everyone Uh, is holograms (laughs) i love honestly the first time i saw that i was like oh that's cool yeah (laughs) because it's like (laughs) like the 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 two people that are really still there is like you know uh, it's not even Bateau. It's it Bateau like actually walks out the door and then holograms out as Togusa. He's like, uh, come see me before you go. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
which which also has a, a that's the, one of the lines that I had to I looked up because I I was not it sounded like a quote like you said uh, where where Chief Arabaki is like uh, what is it uh, let a man walk alone let him commit no sin with few wishes like an elephant in the forest <laughs> uh, all said while he's dressed like in this weird pristine white uh, uh, like suit and sitting in front of a gigantic painting of a forest, but specifically of a tree where there's a bunch of skulls, not immediately apparent, uh, nestled amongst its roots. I just, honestly, it looks, it looks badass. I'm yeah. sorry. His like, his office in this movie is pretty sick. Yeah. Like, he, 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 yeah. he comes he gives big guru vibes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his office is awesome with with uh, you know like uh, full three D uh, Zoom meetings <laughs> integrated. He's in the metaverse, but they finally developed legs hundreds of years in the future. <laughs> finally, finally, they they finally cracked it. Yep. Thanks, Zach. Yeah. I, uh, I, go ahead. I I did feel like the 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 transition from them investigating there to deciding to go to go north felt a little bit clunky to me like it felt it felt a little bit like oh you're on the right trail now um that that might just be me though though just just like being nitpicky about kind of the noir style well part part of it is that i think that they um they find out, and this might be weird, uh, but they find out that the the victim that was like killed by the gynoid and that they did investigated before actually had uh, like no or almost no signs of struggle. It looks like he had act- he'd actually wanted the gynoid to kill him and uh, put his organs in different jars because it was I guess it would attract enough attention. Mm, we find out later. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is totally gruesome. Like, it's like, what was was the guy trying to mummify him? What are these Coptic jars? <laughs> is I this mean, some kind of weird ancient Egyptian thing. I mean, I do <laughs> yeah. think that that's probably what it is. You know, trying to evoke because, th- like, there's so much in this film that comes back to, uh, you know, cultural or mythological depictions of the soul being separate from mm-hmm. a, from a human body like yeah, later on we get a, a reference to the golem and and like mm-hmm. you know the way that it's it's you know ursat's soul is is animated so i you know i and and part of the significance of mummification i believe from what i remember is is trying to like liberate the ka from the body um mm-hmm. and and so you know it, it it makes sense in that context to evoke exactly that mm-hmm yeah, yeah, I think I think it, you're absolutely right, and I I do think that there is enough there to make that connection, right? Um, yeah, but yeah, but yeah I, I like, kind of agree, Kurt. Like, I think that that scene where they're talking, it kind of very quickly breezes through what they've learned and where they need to go next and yeah. stuff, and it doesn't feel like I feel like there needed to be like one more beat yeah, there. I, I would have liked them to to kind of go north, not quite knowing what they were looking for, yeah. And maybe having to kind of stumble around in that that like you know northern dystopian city a bit more. I I I think it, it, if there was one thing that 
I liked a lot and would have liked to see a bit more of it was the kind of like on the ground existence of the people who don't live in like the nicer cities and just kind of live in like the weird uh, nausea type type world up north <laughs> um, because like the 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 kind of like procession that we see um, when they first get there is really cool. Um, so cool, in fact, that I strongly suspect that um, uh, the uh, the recent cyberpunk game has a sequence very, very, very yes, similar does. to it. Yep. I, I strongly hmm. suspect yep. they were like, ooh, that's cool. <laughs> I wouldn't so, be surprised at all. So I think that one of the things the, – the thing that I took away was that uh, – I mean, I, I didn't necessarily find th- – the the scene where they transition to uh, okay we got to go north was uh, because basically they find out that th- this is the second time around that like there's a, a a specific company that's been creating these gynoids yeah and they're located in the north so you know they've got two <laughs> two gynoids that have had uh, incidents so I guess that's enough I, I don't know I I didn't maybe I'm just not super versed in in like noir sensibilities in that sense, but it it made sense to me. I don't know. It's not that I didn't know why they were going there. It just felt like the, I mean, so you've got the scene with the Yakuza, then you've got the the meeting that they have. Then you Mm -hmm. have, uh, Bato's getting hacked in the convenience store, um, or in the bodega and like blowing his own arm off. And then like he he has this conversation with Togusa about like that yeah there's this guy that I used to know uh, who was a really good hacker we're gonna go find him right and because mm-hmm. he he's the only person who could have done this and it was kind of like like it wasn't that there was any step along the way that didn't make sense it was that the story could have used another complication I think yeah. before mm-hmm. they get to that. Like not even before they go north, but before they get to like that guy, because it's like they get uh, to okay. the north okay. and then they find the one dude and they beat him up and he tells them where to go and they go there. Yeah. Right? So, so I, 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 they, they actually have that complication. It's just that it's not acknowledged. Well, they also, they're, yeah, they're also correct about what they're looking for. That's the, like it, no, for that like noir tone. I, I think part of it is is a sense of helplessness beneath things that you can't quite see or make out. And and so like typically typically you don't really know who the bad guy is or who is behind everything until the very end of a noir story. And that's not always the case, but but it, it that yeah, like it it, it did feel to, to Jeremy's point a little bit too straightforward that they're like, well, we need to go find this particular company. And then they just go to the company, you know, like there, there are, yeah. there are complications on the way, but they're, they're physical, they're, they're material mm-hmm. barriers. They're, they're, they're not like, Oh, we didn't, you know, we didn't know. Like, they're, you know, they're, they're basically like this company's behind it and they are yeah. indeed behind it. <laughs> so thinking about it, you know, what would have like, not to, not to like script doctor a movie that came out 16. Well, no more than that. Like, 18 years ago. Um, but like one thing that definitely would have improved the second act of the movie for me is if there had been more foreshadowing of the missing kids, Mm, because that ends up being really important. And like, that could have been a complication or like an aspect of the case that they like stumble upon and can't make sense of. And, and then they're like, 
and then and that also would be an opportunity for Togusa to get more invested in what they're doing because mm-hmm. he has mm-hmm. a kid and so he could be like that could be the the hook for him to like really want to solve the case now um I, but like, I think yeah yeah I, th- I think that they mention like trafficking once yeah and that's about it yeah it's and, not well, a thing we that, get the we get the save us uh thing but yeah, I, yeah. yeah it's it's not it's not really that strong a connection it's, it's and that and it then he finds he finds like the hologram picture of the girl that's true um, yeah, at yeah. the crime yeah. scene and that's but, and, but and it, that's it never it. motivates like and it never motivates them to go do anything right like so it, it would have been interesting if they had if like Bato had shown Togusa that picture and it had like bothered Togusa. And then like there's right. a scene of, of Togusa going to try to find information about this and running yeah, into yeah. a complete dead end because this huge company has like erased the existence of this kid or something. Right. Something like that to like add another layer of intrigue in between them figuring out that they need to go north and going north. Right. Well, yeah. J- Jeremy, I-, I had mentioned that there is a complication that's, uh, that's left unacknowledged. Um, and and that's in in that same sort of like shop scene where he's going to go buy the the, the dog food. He passes an old lady, and, and this is a great scene because it's it's also like everyone you don't see any faces mm-hmm. of anyone. It just re- feels very creepy, and it it ramps up the paranoia. But as he p- passes this old lady, uh, he he swears that he hears. Uh, the major's voice. Yeah, telling him, "Oh, you've, you, you, something to the effect of you're, you're jumping into the kill zone or something." To that yeah, effect. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then he, I, I, I'm wondering why, like he. I, I mean, I know why, but also there, it's like one of these things where you needed to have him sort of like, well, was I fucking making that up? What's what's going on here? Yeah, um, he doesn't really react to it enough. Yeah, exactly. Because that would have been a complication as well, like to to a certain degree, like him, like maybe even having a flashback, hearing the voice or something to that effect. And then, you know, like echoing, like, why are we going north? Uh, Call it, call it a, yeah, I can hear it. I call it a whisper in my ghost. Yeah, a whisper in my ghost. That's the one that I was looking for. (laughs) Where he uses the the major's line or something mm-hmm. to that effect, and you're like he does oh, react okay. a little bit in that in that he he gets paranoid and starts like looking around at it, at everything and everyone. So yeah, like, he does he does react, but but yeah, you're 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 right. It's kind of like now when that happened, the only reason I was like, oh, that must be the major is because I believe that in it, it was either in the opening credits or I just happened to get like like a Google search result with IMDb where it's like uh. Uh, Major, uh, uh, I always fuck Motoko Kusanagi. Yes, thank you, Kusanagi. Major Kusanagi, and it's like, oh, I guess she's in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, IMDb spoiled it for you. Okay, yeah, I, I went into it blind. Uh, like, uh, th- there is a when I first watched this, there is like this huge sort of like, will will she show up somewhere? <laughs> vibe yeah. to this. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like that could have been an, an interesting emotional sort of like complication. Like I think like him, he does react to it in the moment. But I think what I mean is like he doesn't seem to comment on it. Oh, or, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Like, yeah. He's not like, it's weird that it. somebody warned me about that right before yeah, it yeah. happened. What was right, that? Right. It's like he doesn't, he, it doesn't change his behavior going mm-hmm. forward. Right. And it doesn't change it either way because, like, on on the one hand, oh, I'm hearing you know Kuzanagi again. Maybe I'm on the right track. 
Yeah. Uh, or maybe I'm hearing Kusanagi again. You know, like maybe I'm losing it. You know, something to that something, effect. You know, and and I think that that's like I think the movie could have used one fewer five minute shot of a CGI airplane <laughs> and one more scene of like characters uh, trying to investigate something weird and failing just to kind of, you know, add a little bit more, uh, a little more intrigue, a little bit more interest to that section of the movie. Cause like, as much as I love the dollhouse scene, like I feel like the 15 minutes before it, basically from when the, like from the bodega scene through to the start of the dollhouse sequence is like the the absolute nadir of the movie where like I care <laughs> so little about this like the procession is interesting but it, it's it's not it's like visually interesting it's not like narratively anything well it, yeah yeah it's visually interesting and it also I feel it does sort of the same it, it's it's sort of performing the same task that the long boat sequence in the original did right. Mm-hmm. Where you're getting the same, like a not not the same music because this is slightly different, but but it's very similar music, very similar sort of like slow, you know, panning shots and so on and so forth. It, yeah. It's great at world building, but at the same time, I I feel like yeah, we we could have just gone straight to the Locus Solus uh, uh, dollhouse and been, you know, none the wiser like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's a it's a visual reinforcement of the metaphors at the heart of the movie, but it's not mm-hmm. like a story beat. And I think that yeah. the, the movie's missing a story beat there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Uh, we, we do actually, however, we do get that um, the 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 in during the interrogation, we get the line about like the the puppet uh, getting, you know, Something about the if life is like uh, no, I'm sorry. What is it? Death yeah. is like watching the puppet strings, strings being cut. cut. Yeah, um, it could, it's not like it, it's not like it's a totally empty section. It's just that mm-hmm. it's like very. It's very like we go here and we find the guy and we punch him in the face and he tells mm-hmm. us the thing and we move on. Right? It's just it's it's not a challenge for them to overcome. It's just a you know. I, I did look that that quote up, and apparently it's like a a a type of no uh, acting perform like a a, a no acting uh, technique. Oh, um, that talks about uh, like basically <laughs> it's funny because it, it does talk about um, uh, what is it? However, it is wrong to allow an audience to observe the actor's inner state of control directly. If spectators manage to witness this, such as concentration. Uh, such concentration will merely become another ordinary skill or action. And the feeling in the audience that quote, nothing is happening end quote will disappear. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Seems, seems appropriate to what we were just talking about. Uh, So maybe there's a layer there that I'm just not catching either, you know, but, but yeah, like I, I don't disagree that I feel like if they had just ended up at the dollhouse, uh, you know, uh, it would have been fine. Yeah, like they set up this whole separate setting and then don't really do anything with it. But they do show it to you, but but it doesn't really feel it doesn't it doesn't come to life the way that that you know the setting in the rest of the film does. Yeah. And I think that there's that's another thing that I think uh 
I liked a lot better overall in the first movie is it felt like a more holistic world mm-hmm. where like, mm-hmm. you know, you have like the garbage chase, the garbage man chase sequence and you have the highway chase sequence and you have them going to like flying in the helicopter to go to the uh, uh, marina or whatever, where they fight the tank and like they, they move around the city a lot, but it feels like there's a coherent geography to it all. Um and possibly just because this takes place over a larger geographic space, it feels like they 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 go to this place in the north and then and they like fly on a plane to get there. And then they're like in this weird city where there is this festival going on. And then they just sort of teleport to like this completely different place. <laughs> and I have no idea where that is in relation to where they just were or how they got there, you know. And I think that if like the first time that I watched this movie, like years and years ago, I thought that they had like somehow gone online or they were, I think because I had just read Snow Crash or something. And I was, and so I was like, oh, is this the part where they're like in the internet? Cause it's like this weird place. There's mm-hmm. this bizarre sculpture and like that the dollhouse itself looks super strange. And I, and I was just very confused because they don't really establish like the physical movement from one place mm-hmm. to the next there i i, mean, I do uh, think that this this film does something smart that snow crash also does since you mentioned it which um i i would say i actually most most good cyberpunk does which is it doesn't it it doesn't dwell on the virtual world it dwells upon the consequences of the virtual yeah. world on the rest of the world yeah because mm-hmm. there's nothing that with the exception of Johnny Mnemonic, where I very much enjoy its internet stuff, in general, being like the visual depictions of the internet are usually really boring. Because <laughs> it's not it's not that important. What's important is the consequences, anyway. But yeah. but I I do I I do always appreciate a cyberpunk film where it's like, yes, there's virtual reality in the internet, but no, it's not especially important. We're more worried yeah. about the part where you do have a body and can die. <laughs> but, right. but Kurt, what if it's all a simulation? That's right. That's right. If you die in Canada, you die in real life. Yes. Oh no! <laughs> yes. Now we. Now I know. Speaking, I won't be visiting Canada. Speaking of that, though, like this is kind of tangential. But have either of you seen Standalone Complex, the Ghost in the Shell series? I, I've I seen started, a bit. Of it. I've seen a bit. Yeah, of I started. It. I started watching it, and then I, I just I couldn't keep following it i was watching it way back when it was on like adult swim or whatever ah. the the thing i remember the most is like how memeable the tachikomas are yes and they are extremely like memeable. The, the kind of like little girl voices that all like the spider tank robots have yes yep, yes yep. but the reason i bring it up is because like that is one of my favorite examples of exactly what you're talking about kurt where like the internet is super important to that first season particularly because it's like it's all about essentially an internet meme that uh inspires terrorism um and it's like so like there are long sequences in the show where kusanagi is just online like in a chat room or whatever but the the none of the like super important moments of tension happen on the internet because they wouldn't right right yeah like (laughs) (laughs) there's like information gathering online or like there are sequences where where there's like interesting conversations happening or there's like some tension because the consequences of this conversation might matter but like anytime shit's actually going down it's in the real world (laughs) yeah yeah what you you, you, are you telling me that uh, the internet's not real life jeremy well it's it's like a 
phone line. It's as real as that. <laughs> it's as real as that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so uh, I, I do, I do agree that, yeah, we, we don't get like a real sense of how they get to or where the dollhouse is in relation to where they were before and all that yeah, stuff. It's just a little disorienting. I, I, I kind of like it in the sense that it's, I felt like it's supposed to be disorienting. Yeah. No, like, and I'm like, like as the like, sequence goes on, it makes sense that they did that. Yeah, yeah. But I think I would have liked to see some recognition of it, maybe. Like maybe Togusa being like, wait, how the fuck did we get here anyway? Right. Um, <laughs> well, that happened. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or not necessarily like a quip like that, but, but, no, no, you I'm, know, I'm being, I'm being facetious. Maybe but like I, I, one of the ways that the pupper, the, the, the dollhouse guy tortures them is being like, do you even remember how you got to this house or something mm-hmm, like that? Mm, right. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do love that it's like a gigantic disembodied leg just yeah it's such a weird sculpture but it's like it's great it's it's one of these it's one of those designs that stayed with me ever since i saw this for the first time it's just like such a strange like is this like an angry god leaving his footprint (laughs) on the world is this just like somebody that liked major kuzanagi's feet and captured her when she was landing on the rooftop well what's going on here um, but yeah, like I, I also find that the, when they, when they wander around, uh, also, I, I do have to say that, um, for whatever reason, this time around when he, when, uh, Bateau wanders into the, the art sculpture thing, I guess, that's just like a giant banquet table with people sitting around it and it's on flame, a flame. <laughs> All I could think of was that scene in uh, <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop is like, how much would this go for? And they, it's like $17,000. <laughs> Bron- I, I expected Bronson Pinchot to come out with his ridiculous accent, uh, <laughs> telling him what, how much it cost. But, but like, I do love that they're the, it it feels like a weird gothic haunted house, right? There's like yeah. weird shadows and like hand, you know shadows of figures that uh, you know are are lurking against a door frame or something to that effect. It's just great. It, I it's so off putting. It's like you you know that some shit's going to go down here. Yeah, it it appears to be. Um, you you keep seeing what looks like Batu's own shadow on the other side of stained glass windows, mm-hmm. which yeah. I thought was pretty cool and is certainly creepy. And it works very well. Um, that sense of unreality being present even before they are actually in unreality mm-hmm. is very effective because like it's, it's hard. Like when they, you know, so, so what happens is they go through the spooky haunted house and they find, you know, this, this guy who at first appears to be dead, and then it turns out he's in like a life-size doll, basically, and that's where he's well, put like his an, ghost. And an old-timey style doll that yes. has like a weird hinged mouth. And yes. It's just very strange. And, and, and so what happens is um, to- Togusa is messing with like part of the bookcase, and it opens and spits out like like a a you know like a one you know 40th scale replica of the building that they're in and he's looking at it and then all of a sudden it it starts repeating the scene when they're approaching the building mm-hmm, but with mm-hmm. you know with, with some some minor differences and it's very effective i think because the first iteration of them going through it already seemed weird and off 
And it still seems weird and off in this. And so like, while it's quite quickly apparent that they are in some kind of hallucination, it does make you wonder like, what was the first time a hallucination too? It seemed pretty weird as well. Yeah. 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 Um, I do, I do love that the uh, the the guy in the doll has a pre-recorded like holographic message. <laughs> Please do not leave flowers. Oh yeah, <laughs> whatever yeah. it was <laughs> when he faces his death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta be a twisted. You gotta have a twisted mind to to put yourself in a doll. Oh yeah, and then and then leave uh, instructions. Uh, but yeah, like uh, w- w- I'm trying to remember now what what it was that I was going to say. Uh, but yeah, like like the 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 sort of weird Groundhog Day aspect of like they go through it three times, and then uh, each time when they reach the the room, it's a, the 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 guy that's in the doll. Uh, it changes appearance. Like it initially, it's it's a. Uh, it was Togusa. No, no, it's Bateau, right? No, and it's, then it's um, I think it's Togusa the first time, and then it's Bateau, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah the first time is Togusa. That's right. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, then Bateau's like the doll, and then, uh, what is it? Uh, Togusa falls back or whatever, and then he, it's like the weirdest, uh, ju- like, weird... Uh, you 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 woke up from the nightmare, but the waking up is actually part of the nightmare. Uh, <laughs> where he falls back, and then his chest springs open like it's one of the dolls as well, and he yeah. like freaks the fuck out. And then you realize that uh, you know, Bateau's been used, just managed to use his uh, his little uh, weird cyber taser <laughs> it's actually just a paper clip and the they're just like pushing the button just a on hard the back reset. of your head yeah it's like it's like an old casio watch i mean i think even new phones have that too so it's still it still exists of a sort yes of a sort <laughs> yeah, of a sort but uh but yeah like i i found that to be like all all that sequence to be like weirdly effective uh and really sort of ramps up like a lot of weird horror elements that are, <laughs> that are, ha- had been sort of lurking in the movie and now have come much more to the fore in, in a very, um, very uh, obvious fashion. Yeah. I mean, like the, the movie is pretty horrifying um, yes. compared to like the first one. Uh, there's like, you know, some squicky things with like heads blowing up and stuff. But, but this one has just like, the, even in that first scene at the when the doll at the end of the alleyway like rips itself apart and then like mm-hmm. springs open it's just like gross mm-hmm. uh even even like the major tearing apart the tank at the end of the first movie and ripping her own arms off is like you know it's disturbing but it's not I don't know. It's not like viscerally disgusting in the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think this, this one has a lot more sort of like existential horror. Yeah. Uh, in it than because we're like the first movie really is from, you know, the major's point of view and she's already sort of, sort of moving away from, <laughs> from, you yeah. Know, like she's everything. Sort of alienated from physicality to begin with. But but Bateau and, and Togus are very much still, you know, sort of like connected to this world. So it, it would 
I think by by necessity be pretty horrific for them, right? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, also let's let's not forget that uh, you know Kim, who is the guy in the doll, uh, basically tells them that the the Lucas Solis uh, headquarters are just basically anchored off in international waters so that no one can do anything or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love that uh, one of the the runarounds has the the ship just like. I mean, as a CG, <laughs> the murky CGI ship doesn't yeah. look that great anymore. But uh, I do love that it just starts shelling the the uh, the, the dollhouse. House. Yeah, and you're like, holy shit, what the fuck is happening? It's just, yeah, it's just, it's a simulation. But but what another like great uh, cyberpunk trope? Put your weird illegal cybercrime thing <laughs> operation steading, baby. <laughs> yeah, on a uh, on a boat in international waters. Like Snow Crash did it. <laughs> we're, we're doing crimes on a boat. Yep, yep. Both uh, both Deus Ex games did it, or or yep. two two out of the three. Day, two out well, of the three. Two out of the four, technically, I guess. Yeah, do it. Um, and yeah, you know, Peter it, Peter Thiel would like to do it in real life. Yeah, so. <laughs> true, true. I mean, I, I would say that uh, I would argue that if we were to use the metaphor, uh, Neuromancer did it too. Remember the Straylight? That's uh, true. Oh yeah. Everything that's Except up for, there. Ha- yeah. yeah go instead ahead. of in international waters, it's in space. International yeah, well, I mean, space. How how much more international can you get? Yeah. Right. I mean, they got a space station that's international. The one there. place that has not been corrupted by capitalism. <laughs> space. <laughs> the one place. Space. <laughs> Orbit. <laughs> You, are are you trying to to go for the Tim Curry oh. space? Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, they they uh, we we endure a little bit more murky uh, CGI uh, as Ishikawa picks up Bateau and uh, in in scuba gear, no less. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was great, though. I love that. I do, I do. I do love that. He's like, "What are you even doing? <laughs> doing out here? You're eight hundred pounds, buddy." Yeah, it's like an exact, exact mirroring of what he had said to the major in the first movie. Yeah, it, it is. It is good. It, that, that's a good one. Uh, but yeah, like, like, and and once he gets on the ship, it it basically becomes like aliens, except with dolls. Yeah. That was cool, though. I really liked that whole sequence, and I really liked the way that – so first of all, I like the way that um, the the human security force basically also look like dolls, you know, Mm, because uh of like like how they're dressed. But I really like the way that the dolls move, how Uh they just kind of like flippy flip all over the place and just kind of fling – an appendage out and just chop off people's heads just yeah. like one yeah. one hit like and the first person it happens to it, it's just like it's not even really animated it's just like their head just isn't there and then yep. the, the, it, the, the shot kind of like pans up and you just see blood spraying all over the ceiling i thought that that was very cool i yeah, appreciated that, that a great deal the the dolls are animated in such a great way like there's a little bit of animation jank in the sequence when Bateau is like running through all, through some of the hallways and stuff. But like overall, it's it's on par with the I, first movie. I would I would call so so I I would say that this was very much uh, sort of like a, the style uh, production IG was using to convey like quote realistic movement. Yeah. Um, so so it does it does if you like. Uh, if you're like watching it frame by frame, it, it does look very weird because it, it, 
it has like this weird, um, almost bonelessness to it sometimes, yeah. but it's mainly trying to convey, I guess, uh, through the, the cell animation is trying to convey movement. Uh, I think it works much better with the dolls in part because the dolls just don't have like a, a human like physiology. Like yeah. they're they're vaguely humanoid, but their their articulation points are yeah. just very different. They move like wacky wall walkers, basically. Or they yes, just kind of like yes. tumble along <laughs> a surface. Yeah. And I think it's part of it for me is the scene of him running through the ship specifically looks weird to because it's like the back the, the environment around him is very dark, but he's mm-hmm. usually still pretty light. Um I think some of the color grading is creating a weird effect and it, it, I think it has to do with the way they composited CGI and the yeah. animation. Okay. Yeah. I, I could see that. I could yeah. See that, yeah. And he, like, he looks like he has a spotlight on him. Most of yeah. The time. Yeah. And it, and it's a little bit like it, it creates kind of an artificial feel to it that I, it's not bad. It's, it's like, it's the animation itself is pretty solid and the, the actual fighting parts are really good. It's just like, there are a few moments where, mm-hmm. I was watching it and I was like, uh, yeah. yeah this <laughs> this sequence <laughs> this sequence to me had a lot more intentionality with the angle that things are drawn and or rendered from that I was missing a little bit in other parts of the film. So so like one of the things that um I didn't gripe about earlier that that I, I meant to is um so so like anime always has techniques for stretching out the animation budget. That's just that's just inherent to the art form. In fact, I, I it seems like it's inherent to all forms of animation, right? Mm-hmm. And in 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 CGI uh anime, one of the things they often do is just make the camera move around in random ways. Because if you've got, you know, 3D models, you can just, you know, it's it's like a Shrek film. You can like move it around and, you know, it, it kind of gets gets a, a, a floaty. And I, I think one of the one of the results of this is that especially in in anime where older anime tends to be much more static shot based in general newer anime tends to move around a lot more and have much more like dynamic points of view just because mm-hmm. you know it's a, it's an easy way to make something feel like it's moving um when when you know it's it's it that doesn't require additional animation one series that does this very badly and very noticeably is the 2016 uh cgi berserk where the camera yeah. will just be fucking spinning in a circle <laughs> yeah, yeah all around yeah. a completely static model now yeah. now they don't do oh. that in, in this but um i think it does give like less intentionality a lot of the time to the particular shot compositions and in this ending sequence, I think possibly just because OCE is just very good at, you know, directing action, it really feels like even though I feel what you're saying, Jeremy, about like the, the quality of like the compositing, the the fact that the shots felt it felt like there was much more dynamism and it was much more intentional about like the angles that things were at and like how they were approaching the point of view felt like it was much more effective than some other parts of the film. I felt like, yeah, I, I, agree. I loved the visuals in this part and I, I, I was much more willing to forgive some of the CGI jank here th- than I was in say like, you know, the, the airship approach to the city. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I think that this is, uh, directed well and animated well it just feels like it's one of those things where there isn't i don't think there's a single shot in the 90 
five or whatever, whatever the first one came out, 95, 96. Like there's nothing in that movie for me that pins it to 1996, just in, in yeah, terms yeah, of like the, the visuals being done a certain way, but this scene and like, like the goofy, uh, extended shot of the birds flying around the 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 airship where they just don't look real or like at all convincing like those two sequences for me pin this to the year 2000 <laughs> like have you seen have you seen final fantasy the spirits within oh yes oh I my have. god yes, i yes, saw yes. it yeah in theaters so like like th- it, this isn't nearly as as you know bad as that but it's a similar vibe where like they really wanted to use this technology and it feels like they didn't quite know how to do it yet, like in mm-hmm. in the way that they wanted to at some points. Um, and overall, like this movie looks good. I, it's just like this was one of those moments where I I, I was like, you know, I wish that the th- like everything blended a little bit better, and it felt mm-hmm. it it didn't feel quite as much like he was running through a CGI hallway. The, yeah, the 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 only the some of the other CGI parts that jumped out at me that that didn't feel like the animation meshed with the CGI well at all is for instance, like there's a shot where there's, there's a couple shots where Batu is walking and they're kind of trying to convey his, the, the sense of, of him walking by just like panning the camera over CGI in a straight line while he's kind of like moving his shoulders back yeah, and forth. Yeah. 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 And it's like, ah, uh, this about. doesn't quite work. This doesn't quite work, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a couple of those. But like those don't stick out to me as much as this, where it's like a, a hype action scene and and everything else about it is really good. And it's just this one, like it's the one element that sticks out to me as not mm-hmm. not being as good. But anyway. But then in the midst of all these dolls dropping out, <laughs> dropping from the, the, the rafters uh, and, and Bateau's running low on ammo. The one doll shows up well what's even cooler about that is at first like you think maybe it's you you know you just see a doll drop from the ceiling and grab his shotgun (laughs) yeah and you think oh oh shit yeah i i did i did chuckle at the um the them spinning around and and aiming at each other and be like oh yeah 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 (laughs) it's you it's it's just such a i don't know it it feels like such an action film type of thing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, it could I have was been a little r- bummed that Togusa didn't get to do any of it. it, 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 it he has sense. a child. It curse. does make sense. It makes sense. Okay, it makes sense. But it does kind of feel like the movie reached a point where they're like, okay, for the big kick-ass action scene, we need somebody. We need somebody to go with Batu. <laughs> we need, Clearly we he need can't. the tank. Yeah. 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 Well, well we I mean, uh, Kurt, Kurt, uh, and and Jeremy, to your point, um, th- th- there was a a, a much. Uh, talked about a game of Cyberpunk 2020 way, way back in my gaming group where one of the guys was playing a corp <laughs> and everyone's like planning, like it's like three o'clock in the morning and they're still planning the the raid that they're going to do and, and, you know, come daylight, they're going to do it and blah, blah, before the sun comes up and blah, blah. And the corpse like, yeah, guys, I got to go. He's like, what do you mean? It's like, I got work tomorrow. Bye. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> I, um, yeah. I also had a, it, it wasn't cyberpunk. I believe it was running the silhouette system. If either of you are familiar with that, which I think is more made for mech games, but we used it for hmm. like a cyberpunk setting. Um, and um, one of the fun things about, about that setting is that you use the same point pool 
for attributes and equipment and vehicles. And so I I made a guy who was like an okay cyborg, like not not a very effective fighter, but I spent all of his points um, or the vast majority of them on basically having like a tank, essentially. Um, and so <laughs> and, and, and so it caused a lot of headaches uh, for the game master because I kept being like, well, I'm going to bring the tank. In this scenario, and and so for instance, it's like, well, we need to attack this bar and break in, and we would just take the tank and drive it into the front of the bar, for instance. So, so that's, that's awesome. Th- I, I I was like, wow did did Carlo also play a cyberpunk tabletop RPG with somebody who's like, no, I just got to get the tank, guys. Oh yeah, you, you guys don't have uh, company tanks, man. You guys really need to join the corpse. Yeah. I, you know, in that scene, I don't. It's not that Togusa does nothing either. He's like hacking or something. Yeah. Well, he's uh, he's hacking yeah. by like, but also using uh using the Kim. doll, using Kim the doll as like a relay. Oh yes. yeah, so, like yeah, a firewall yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that was great because then he 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 basically gets them like like brain wiped essentially by like mm-hmm. the antivirus. Yes. Yep. Yeah, uh, he manages to get yank the 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 plugs out just in time. Uh, we we think <laughs> that's yeah. the third movie. Yeah, the third movie is him him like <laughs> wait, where am I? <laughs> Are you my beautiful wife? Is this my beautiful house? <laughs> How did I get here? Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, like basically, it's it's. I, I do also love the fact that the when when uh, Bateau turns and says, you know, is that you? And, and the major's like, yeah, this is, this doll's, uh, <laughs> this doll's cyber brain isn't big enough. This is just a, a, a local version that I've downloaded just enough. Yeah. It's, I think she says like, it's basically just the combat functions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Speaking of tanks, uh, she just downloaded yeah. the tank uh, subroutine into the, the doll. Uh, and she does, she basically makes short work of like the hordes of different, uh, robots that are headed do- towards them, mm-hmm. uh, until, well, also another callback, she gets to the data, uh, like the, I guess the data core or whatever you would call it. Yeah. And in the throwback to the first movie, she rips yes, her own throwback. arm off. <laughs> Rome's, Rome's I did think that was funny. Off. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I, 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 but I mean, it, it also cements even more that she, like, this is just a temporary body, you know, this is, mm-hmm. uh, I don't care, <laughs> whatever. Um, so, or it could just be some uh, internalized uh, anti-cyborg feelings. <laughs> um, <laughs> cyborg phobia. Um, cyber phobia? Yeah, there we go. Uh, anyway, I should have worked that worked workshop that a little bit before uh, saying it. Uh, anyway, right. um, so yeah, they 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 managed to uh, basically uh, wipe the entire basically the the entire project and also tell the ship that it should be heading towards uh, waters with a certain jurisdiction <laughs> where the rule of law apply. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I honestly, uh, that that whole sequence really uh, is. I, I, I think I agree with Kurt in the sense that it's it's very kinetic. It, it does feel very, um, like I, I, when I said that it turns into aliens, that wasn't like derogatory in the in the least. 
it's just sort of like lots of fun. It becomes like almost like a bug hunt, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for for a little bit, and then uh, you know you got to end the movie somehow, so you, you got to resolve it. Um, yeah. I, I I did find it really uh, sort of like uh, bittersweet, right? Like Kurt, you'd mentioned it before that like um, Bateau like basically straight straight up asks her point blank like are are you happy this way and she's like yeah i i i happiness is not something that is important to me anymore <laughs> yeah i don't really think about that yeah <laughs> i i so okay okay so so the resolution of of the plot got me a little bit both for the reasons that we talked about earlier we're like it's not really foreshadowed um but it is kind of funny how it plays out with uh, Batu, and so the the resolution is is basically like the the reason why these uh, gynoids ha- have been like attacking people is is basically because their their secret sauce is that they've been kidnapping children and and copying their ghosts, you know, which which we find out through a bit of expository dialogue, like destroys the brains of whatever they're they're being copied from. So so they're basically like killing children to put their brains into sex robots. Not they're great. sex robots powered by forsaken children. Yes, not great. Not great. No. Um but you know, Batu uh, rescues one of these children who hasn't been copied into a doll yet and she's like thank you, thank you for saving me and Batu starts like yelling at her <laughs> of being like did you even think about the fact that you're getting all these robots you know, murdered. And she's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? I thought you were here to help me. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what's, what's just to back up a little bit, what's interesting to me is the way, the reason that, that like the dolls are saying, please save us and killing oh, right. people is because the kids were told by the dude who like was killed and had all his organs put in jars. Like it was his idea that they should basically like, once they were like while they were being copied be fixating on this this idea of like killing people um so that then then that would be in their ghost when it went into the dolls and then the dolls would have this like malfunction mm-hmm. right um which i think is fascinating like that's 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 an interesting kind of like um uh uh how do you resist your oppression is just by like mm. twisting it against itself kind of thing, yep. which I thought was well, neat. It, yeah, it's called direct action. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, like the, it's the exact vehicle of like, it's like the, 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 the system that's using them uh, is vulnerable because it rely it like has to take f- their minds from them. And so the mm-hmm. way that they resist it is by contorting their minds in a certain way so that when they are taken, they like cause this problem. It's like an interesting, you know, like throwing your bodies on the gears of the machine that wants to destroy you kind of, yep. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, and, and also like the, it's, it's, to, to, to your point, uh, you know, like it's there, they were expected to be sort of like obedient, subservient, you know, they're children after all. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and what they're told is no, no, use the anger that you feel like find anger in this and use it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's, yeah, that's, that's valid. I do find it weird that Bateau, like Bateau's swim. <laughs> has flipped over to to being like a machine rights guy by the end of this movie. It's very strange. 
Well, it's it's also kind of confusing because like the the ghosts that are being destroyed, unless I'm misunderstanding, are the ghosts of other of other children. So, I assumed, unless yeah, I'm yeah. misunderstanding, and so like it, it, it was a little hard for me to follow like what his objection was because it felt like it was it, it felt like it was meant to say like, uh, you know, like these, uh, the gynoids even without a human, you know, ghost, d- you know, deserve agency, and and it is still murder to to kill them. But unless I miss, uh, although alternately per- perhaps we're meant to understand that those those dolls that he's fighting didn't have, you know, the Human child ghosts yeah. in them yet. So maybe maybe that's how we're supposed to take it. Yeah, I think it's a little bit ambiguous. But I I, I think if you go back to the Haraway scene where she's kind of raising this idea that like like the the dolls are their own thing and we don't necessarily understand them well enough to say whether or not they are alive in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I think then that's kind of what's gotten to him. And that's kind of what he's thinking about in that moment where he's like, did you, did you even think about how what you were doing was going to like result in the destruction of all of these dolls? And it, I, I do agree that it's kind of a weird reaction for him to have. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> Get away from I, you I, stupid kid. <laughs> yeah. Like, like but, but Mister, I was locked in a dark uh, yeah. cocoon. Huh? What else was I going to think about? <laughs> I was going to be brain tortured and put in a robot. Like, what do you want me to do, dude? Uh, but I, but it, I think it's like an interesting. Uh, it's it's maybe a little bit clumsily delivered in the movie, but I think it's an interesting idea that like Bato is more moved or troubled by like the way that the dolls have been treated or like utilized as tools both by the people who are like selling them and by the children as a means of their their liberation uh than he is by what's happening to the kids right like it's it it goes back to the whole like the major relates more to the puppet master than other human beings thing like bato Mm -hmm. relates more to the dolls than he does to the kid um and i again i think that that's like not not explicit it's like it should be delivered more cleanly than it is in the movie but i think that that's what they're getting at or at least that's the interpretation that i think is is interesting yeah yeah yeah, i agree yeah and and i this is what i was alluding to earlier when i said it struck me as weird but part of it might have just been like the voice acting in in the english dub where it's like he he, it it kind of reminds me of like um one of the sequences in L.A. Noir, where like he's talking to a kid and you choose doubt, and he's like, "Your your mom and dad don't love you." <laughs> it's like Jesus, dude, chill out. Yeah, <laughs> not the best line read there, buddy. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So so um, one last thing I wanted to uh, talk about is um, I. I just as a, a bit of trivia, I was trying to find if, uh, because I believe they brought back, uh, is it Kenji Kawaii? Yeah. Uh, yes. For, for the music. And I was trying to find out if he had literally like constructed the, um, the music box wheel that they use for the dollhouse sequence music. Mm. Um, 
because not only did they record that <laughs> that music in studio, uh, I think uh, Oshii said like, well, you know, it's it's going to be in a big room, and he's like, oh, and they they had to like record in like a, a big space. I forget exactly. It's like a big hall in. Tagichi Prefecture. I, I'm probably murdering the, the the name, or I'm not remembering what the name is exactly. But it was like a giant place underground. It just is that. That's I just found that really interesting. Um, but yeah, it, it because it it echoes and whatnot. Anyway, that was my little bit of trivia that I wanted to find out about, but I couldn't find out if he had actually constructed the if they custom made the the wheel for that. Mm-hmm. My little bit yes. of trivia is so I forget the name of the type of the type of singing. Um, it's like a type of like Japanese traditional music that that kind of like chant singing that, mm-hmm. that they do in the intro, and it was also used in the original film. Um, but uh, apparently, uh, I'm not sure how many singers they they used to record the music in the first film, but they massively increased the number for the second mm-hmm. film where they had 75 singers and they recorded for 14 hours. And apparently it caused a lot of problems just for like, ha- basically just, they, they just had too many singers and it was really hard to record effectively. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can only imagine that. Like, I, I think we'd mentioned uh, Akira in the, the previous episode uh, as well. And like the, the Geino Yashimirigumi uh, group is quite large as well so i can imagine <laughs> that they had similar problems as well so anyway um but yeah like like this is uh, yeah I, I saw that <laughs> that's that's a lot of that's a lot of hours anyway um i think we should probably start wrapping this up because we're, we're now 20 minutes longer than the movie <laughs> yeah. well we're actually almost yeah. exactly as long as the movie now i believe I think it's it, I think it's like an hour an, forty, isn't it? Well, it was an hour twenty-three, I think. Well, here's the real question: Did we spend as much time talking about CGI uh, planes <laughs> flying past the camera as the movie spent showing, <laughs> showing them to us? us. <laughs> ah, I'm going to say no. I, I suspect that that we need to go for a few more minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, J- uh, Jeremy, now that you mentioned it, I, I do have a couple quotes uh, of scripture that I could uh, just. <laughs> Anybody got any Zen Cohen's on deck? <laughs> <laughs> what is the ha- the sound of one hand clapping, sir? Yeah. The biggest, yeah. the you know, the biggest challenge with joining section nine is actually just memorizing all of the philosophy <laughs> quotes. Yeah. Togusa <laughs> comes in for his first day of training and he's like all ready to go learn learn section nine like procedures and stuff and they just hand him like a book of <laughs> here's like the five hundred most memorable quotes in, in world history. You gotta Oh my god, know. no 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 this is, uh, Kurt, now, now you have me thinking that like like for just to train for the test to get in. So it's like flashcards of different philosophical <laughs> yeah, yeah. phrases. He's just like sweating. Like, yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ, which one is it? Um but yeah. the reason all the section nine people are cyborgs is because they're all just philosophy majors. So they had to be, <laughs> <laughs> they, they couldn't find work shape. anywhere else. Yeah. yeah they couldn't yeah. find work anywhere else. So they had yeah. to be put in robots so they could fight crime. <laughs> oh, a humanities degree, you say, oh, well, no. we got the right job for you. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, 
I suppose we should, uh, if we have any last thoughts, I, I, I think, uh, somebody hacked my ghost and I have no more. <laughs> I mean, like overall, I think this is a very good movie. Um, there are parts of it that I like better than the first movie. Like, I think it has some, the, the ideas that it presents are more intriguing to me. Although I think it delivers them in a more ham fisted way and like a less, like like the like teasing them out of the first movie is m- more rewarding than I think this movie, um, and I think that like overall the production of the first movie is just just more like cohesive and solid. But like I think this this is worth watching. You know, if you if you watched Ghost in the Shell and you want more Ghost in the Shell, this is absolutely more Ghost in the Shell. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> like if you Two like this more. Yeah, yeah. And and like I also highly recommend Standalone Complex um if you like these characters in this universe. It's it's like I, I mean it's a TV show anime, so it's not going to be as as stunning <laughs> visually um and there are it's not perfect, but like it's, it's good. It looks a lot better than a lot of shows from around the same time. Yeah, it's I mean for I'll the at the that. time it was like, you know, I, I probably one of the best looking TV anime mm-hmm. that existed, I, but I'm it, thinking of like I'm I'm trying to think of what else was on around the same time. I guess like uh was it a uh, Witch Hunter Robin was on around then like Blood Plus I think were on around the same time and they mm-hmm. definitely yeah. look significantly worse than than yeah. uh, standalone complex. Yeah, standalone complex holds up. Um and it's worth it's worth watching like a ghost in the shell i think especially the 90s and early 2000s iterations of ghost in the shell is like a very just a very good franchise overall mm-hmm. yeah i think yeah. you pretty much said it i agree with pretty much everything you said it's just i i, I think I, I think i just really missed to 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 me like I, I think in the course of watching this, I, I realized just how much my appreciation of the first film relied less on the themes. Because I agree with you, like the themes in this are a lot more interesting. I, I, I do think that the first one does a much more deft job of making them feel very enigmatic and consequential, even yeah. though like they're pretty straightforward. Like th- this is actually a much more interesting um quest this has a lot this asks much more interesting questions just it it, it asks them in a less interesting to, to me way i agree yeah mm-hmm. okay all right well in any case uh jeremy thanks for coming back absolutely uh, always yeah. a pleasure uh, i i'm sorry that you had to endure so much cgi playing, <laughs> uh, you know content. what it it was fine <laughs> please please though please though before you go please tell us about your book once more yes, yes my true. books uh so yeah um i am jt greathouse i'm a fantasy author british fantasy award nominated fantasy author uh my first book the hand of the sun king is available wherever books are sold uh it's like a coming of age um novel about post-colonialism and uh my own sort of obsession with confucianism and taoism so if that sounds cool to you check it out uh the second book has been out for a while and the third book is coming out this august so it'll be a finished trilogy all right excellent all right well you know you you got you got one over on on patrick rothfuss that's i did yep <laughs> beat him to the beat him to the finish line. Yeah, you go. Not All to right. the millionth book sold, but to the finish line. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, well, in any case, uh, Jeremy, thanks again, and um, everyone out there, go watch Ghost in the Shell too. Innocence, uh, and we'll catch you here next time 
und Pazai. 